0: Welcome in to TYT The Conversation. I'm your host, Adrian Lawrence. And now I'm excited to bring you Meredith Cash, sports reporter for Business Insider. Thank you for joining us, Meredith. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, We're very excited to have you, particularly because we brought you on to speak about what's going on with Brittany Griner. She's a 6'9 Phoenix Mercury superstar and two-time Olympic gold medalist for the USA, who has still detained in Russia. And as I understand it, that detainment has been extended to about, what, May 19th? What is going on? Yes,
1: so right now she's dealing with the very, very different Russian legal system um, and going through What they call over there an investigation, essentially. And Russia has the wherewithal to basically extend her detainment as long as it continues to investigate. And uh, this May 19th date that you just cited is what a a court recently uh, picked out as the next date when they'd need to decide okay, our investigation needs to continue, and this is how much time we need, or we're ready to take this to court. So that's what's happening as of late last week and we that's really the biggest update we've gotten so far. But it's been few and far between the details that we've gotten on this case. Which is unsurprising given the the fact
0: that it's the Russian government that the US is dealing with here. Yeah, indeed, it is the Russian government and it is operating in somewhat of a black box kind of system where we don't necessarily know what's going on. We do have very little information. I definitely won't hide my cards as being a legal analyst and I've spoken on this uh, matter in terms of Brittany Geiner extensively, including for insider. And um, I know you all wrote an article recently about last week about how little information we had. And so just to kind of talk about this um, just a little bit more so that we fully understand it. uh, We understand that she's being held for allegations involving cannabis uh, and having that, is that correct?
1: Yes, that is correct. So the American public only found out about her detainment several weeks after she was actually detained, which we've found out well into this investigation are on the American side of things. Um, But on, I want to say it was February 17th, but right around mid February, she was detained while flying into a Moscow airport because Uh, Russian customs officials uh, claimed that they found a vape pen filled with uh, hashish oil in her bags. And now there's no way on, at least for me as a sports journalist, to confirm that that was actually the case. And we don't really know for sure how much what the Russian customs agents are putting out is valid. But that is the story that Russia is putting out. And that's the story that we have to go with by nature of the fact that that is what we've heard. Yeah. But, you know, it's very possible, given the suspect timing of her arrest, uh, the fact that she's been going to Russia for many, many years now, she probably knows the rules that she was dealing with ahead of time. And now, this is a situation where she's detained days before. A massive international crisis that has put yeah. Russia in conflict with the United States, pretty directly.
0: It's an interesting conundrum on
1: how to report on it, for sure.
0: No, I I, I agree, um, and it definitely seems like something that is worth like looking into or at least speculating by virtue of the fact that we know russia hasn't been the most forthright of nations and we continue to see that on a day-to-day basis so to take its word for it uh, would honestly i'll just candidly say it seemed to be foolish um you know it's one of those where, as least as far as i'm concerned i'd love to hear from britney first but in one of your articles i read that uh you had in you had interviewed these law professors who were experts in russia law but they were very much of the mindset that this has nothing to do with uh, the reason they targeted her for her race or her sexuality in any way simply because the charges didn't say anything about that. And so I'd love to explore that a little bit more because as a black person as well as someone who is a lawyer and also someone who specializes in systems of oppression and teaches it, it just seemed a little bit uh, off putting to hear the, at least this white male law professor as well as this other male law professor who they do not specialize in these areas be out here in your article and you're publishing and asking them why race and sexuality have nothing to do with it. So I, I'd love to hear your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the the, candid answer here is that race and sexuality always have something to do with it in the sense that that is part of britney griner's being right there's no way to ignore that there's no way to ignore russia's history specifically on lgbt issues that that is not even a history that is a current issue that russia does not have lgbt rights and protections the way that we have in the united states and much of the uh the world now yeah uh, at least in
0: then. Thank you so much for saying that because I remember when I read that article I was thinking that does a disservice especially to uh, people who specialize in this area. And you cannot divorce from the fact that that she is a black woman and a queer woman, especially because she is 6'9". She's going through a Moscow airport in a country where the black population is 0.0004% and she's wearing a black lives for peace sweatshirt on her and the country and the nation doesn't know her well. So to pretend that it has nothing to do with that. So I will leave it up to your co-author Court Gaines for deciding that that should have been published. But I do think that that is an immense disservice to the realities that people of color and also people of the queer community experience. Uh, but again, I appreciate you for acknowledging that because you cannot divorce that from her being. And I do think it does a disservice for her um, as well as uh, ignoring the reality that many of us face. But I'd also love to turn to the fact that I know recently, her legal team filed for an appeal to try to get her to be allowed to have home detention. Because as I understand it, Brittany Griner is staying in a facility where they don't have beds that will fit her. You know, It's like uh, even the Hilton hotels generally don't have beds that will fit her. There are special uh, hotel beds that will fit someone of a 6'9 stature. And so the idea of her being on home detention would be great. But then the Russian court said no dice. Do you have any idea why that is?
1: Yeah, um, so in speaking to people close to the situation, our understanding was that was pretty much as close to a guaranteed uh, denial by the Russian courts as you can possibly get. I don't think that anyone was expecting that that was going to be granted again, considering the circumstances that she was arrested under, considering the fact that she is a well known entity. She's a six foot nine black woman. I don't think the Russian government is just willing to let her, not be detained at this point, and instead go to house arrest. Um, my understanding, though, is that the the her legal team has been seeing her fairly regularly. Obviously, the situation with the beds is not ideal, not a personal thing by any nature. It's just the fact that she is six foot nine, and that is just that is just how it goes. But um, she's the the official word that they're putting out is she's okay. You know, she's she's in a cell with two people who speak English who have helped her navigate this and this is coming out of uh both from both from Russian uh from Russian media sources but also from her team itself. That they are in regular contact with her, they talk with her fairly regularly um and you know obviously she's not doing great, but she is okay. And she's apparently calm about the whole situation.
0: Yeah, I would honestly say just from a perspective of also being a black woman, albeit only being 5'7", that we tend to roll pretty easy because of oppression. So we're kind of just used to it and there's nothing you can do about it. So you just keep it moving. At the same time, when we talk about keeping this case moving. So it's my understanding that generally the investigation process is about two months and then they can extend it if they want to and they can keep it up to a year. And that there's a gentleman named Mark Fogel who was a school teacher or an educator in some sort and also a US diplomat or national in some way official. And he was caught with cannabis in 2021 and he's still being held there. And they have extended his detainment even before bringing up trial. And that they can do that under the Russian code for about a year. It's my understanding that they also expect them to continue to extend Griner's detention. Are you hearing the same? I am
1: hearing the same. Um, I my understanding from reading that I've done from people that I've spoken to is that there's no reason to expect that she'll be home anytime soon, sadly. Uh, What I do think is different here is that there's obviously calls for more attention than it's currently getting, but Griner has been far more talked about than Mark Fogel or any other American who is overseas. And so the American government is working on this behind the scenes. The State Department is making active calls for the consular to actually speak with Griner because they haven't had permission to do so yet. Um, And so if there's any glimmer of hope in this situation, it's that Britney Griner's celebrity in the states and in Russia frankly, because she's a star there too, might be bringing the attention from the powers that be that are necessary to to get her out,
0: yeah, it seems like a difficult situation because if we make too much noise and Putin will know she's valuable and will toy with us uh, as a response to that. But if we don't make any noise at all, then, It's kind of the same predicament we always run into when it comes to the devaluation of black women's lives here and abroad. Uh, But we only got about a minute left and I know you work very hard at what you do and you share. Is there anything else you want to note in terms of Griner's detainment?
1: Yeah, I think going off of the last thing that you said is that I spoke to the WNBA commissioner Kathy Engelbert just last week. And she was reiterating the same thing that they're doing They're intentionally not releasing as much information as you might expect them to, given that one of their biggest stars is overseas. Because they want to say less, push privately, not give Putin more leverage than they can in the event that she is a political bargaining chip, as I think Senator Tim Kaine suggested
0: today. Yeah, well, thank you so very much. And Meredith, where can people read more of your work and find you on social media?
1: I write for Sports Insider, so you could find me on Insider's site. And I'm on Twitter at MerCash22, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, for real, thank you so much, Meredith. We appreciate your insight, as well as your coverage. And uh, people definitely get out there and follow her. And hopefully we can get Brittany back here in the United States. And we can get her being paid uh, fair and equal wages. So she doesn't have to ever play in another country again. Yeah. Thanks again for joining us, Meredith.
2: Thank you very much.
0: It's still Adrian, but this time I have some women who are exceptional when it comes to talking about things that largely advance women in our communities, particularly abortion rights. That's on Sarah Taylor, co-host of the RNL, that's Revolution, nothing less. And Lori Sokol, that's Executive Director of Women's E News. Thank you so much for joining us, Sunsara and Lori.
2: It's a real pleasure to be with you, Adrian.
3: Yes, very much so, I agree with that. <laughs>
0: Yes, and it's a pleasure to have you all here. The thing is, it's like we have the a nice percentage of our population facing a number of issues when it comes to restrictions on our bodies. Essentially, what's the update here? If you wanna go ahead and share first, Sarah, please do.
2: Yeah, we're in the middle of an abortion rights emergency, which Texas people should know has been under a near total abortion ban for over six months. And the Supreme Court is currently considering a case that could overturn Roe v Wade, the landmark 1973 decision that legalized abortion for women. And anticipating that this will happen, states across the country packed with fascist legislatures are like in a race to figure out who can do the most vicious, cruel abortion bans. Idaho just passed introduced a law that would incentivize rapists and their families to sue to prevent a woman from terminating her pregnancy. Missouri passed a law that would ban or introduce a law that would ban abortions even in the cases of ectopic pregnancies, which are never viable. It's when the egg implants outside the uterus and often lethal to a woman. And they added a ban that would restrict a woman from traveling to another state. So they're literally saying that a woman should die. And what we're facing is within a matter of a few short months, half the country could lose access to abortion And the whole assault on women everywhere would accelerate. And I just wanna say that forcing women to have children against their will is a form of enslavement. This is what we're facing and this is why Lori and I initiated RiseUpForAbortionRights.org to bring people into the streets to say this must not happen. We cannot allow this to go down.
0: No, we can't, not at all. And so I'm so grateful that both of you have come together to uh, raise awareness, to make change. Uh, Lori, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on essentially this whole new, it almost seems like a new era in terms of the attack on women and our bodies.
3: Well. It, yeah, it may seem like a new era, but unfortunately, uh, the underpinnings of it have been building and increasing for many years. And I, I think they particularly culminated when Donald Trump became president because he allowed uh, this really insane brutality against women's reproductive rights to um, to build beyond. You know, since Roe v. Wade. Had had become law in the early 70s. We have never seen this assault on women's reproductive rights before. Before then. but let me also say that this isn't about you know those who are anti-choice. It's not about saving the lives of babies. Not at all. I mean, let's let's be sure honest here. If you were to look at the rates, if you look at countries where abortion is legal and where abortion is illegal. There's no significant uh, difference between the number of abortions women have in these countries. It's just that 30,000 women on average die, more die in countries where it's illegal. Okay, that's from botched abortions, which is going to be happening here in the US as well. So you were talking about tens of thousands of women potentially dying from this. What they really are looking to do long term, and this is very important because when people listen, they think about abortion rights, they think only about how this impacts women. And since women are still you know, second class citizens in this patriarchal society, those who are not women are those who don't have daughters or sisters, Or they feel they're not gonna be impacted uh, by this. But they are because what Roe v Wade also solidified was the right to privacy, which affects every single American. So it may be abortion now, but then it's gonna be right to contraception. It's gonna be how to raise one's children. It's gonna be how to maintain family relationships. Who can live in your house with you, brother, sister, aunts, uncles, parents, etc. It's also it's also gonna impact marriage equality, interracial marriage. And already we see in Texas the don't say gay bill, right? Not allowed to discuss, to teach anything about homosexuality or being or transgenderism. What if you have kids who have who have two mothers or two fathers? How are they supposed to think of themselves, right? If, if it's against the law to even mention it or talk about. So this is just the beginning of what uh, fascists are looking to do in this country. The Republicans who are against reproductive choice, it's going to affect every single American in one way, or another. So if we don't stop it now, this is really our last chance.
0: Yes, yes. And as you were talking about that, Lori, it was really resounding with me. All I was hearing in my head were the Supreme Court decision, Griswold in Texas, Loving, Virginia, so on and so forth. And the fact that these some of these things were passed some 50 years ago, uh, at the most, yet at the same time, they can be reversed in a moment's notice, especially given the very conservative court we have. And you're absolutely right. The thought that we could lose right to contraceptive, we could lose a right to privacy, uh, Lawrence v. Texas, all of these things that have allowed us to live our lives and to to allow people of regardless of what uh, political party they're a part of just to operate that could be rolled back. And so we are truly heading toward that handmaid's tale. And so Sansara, I would love to know what do you think we need to do to stop this train now before it steamrolls every right that we have as
2: individuals? Well, I wanna start by appreciating how you asked the question because it's the right question. It's how do we stop this train now, before it steamrolls further, which is the opposite of what the so-called leaders or most of the so-called leaders of the so-called women's movement are doing. And I have to call this out to begin with because the heads of the mainstream organizations are telling us the best we can do is prepare for post Roe, prepare for Roe v. Wade default, help women learn how to induce their own abortions, help women to travel to states outside of their own as it gets banned where they are. And to try to pass some local legislation in a few places to protect abortion after the legal right and protection falls nationwide. And what we have said is this is capitulating in advance. It will foreclose the lives of women, and it will give it will give these fascists a chance to put their foot on the accelerator even more and gain even more ground. So we have to draw a line now. And what needs to happen? And the reason I'm wearing this green bandana. Is because we need to learn a lesson from the women of Argentina, the women in Colombia, the women in Mexico, women who went into the streets and waged massive, sustained protests again and again, where they changed the whole political atmosphere and they tore down anti abortion restrictions in those countries. They made what seemed impossible possible through their struggle. And so, what we are calling for in riseupforabortionrights.org, and it's the number four. Is we're calling on people to join us in the streets and protests that grow. And that not just a one day protest, but again and again, students walking out of school, professionals coming out in their white coats or their professional associations. People from different walks of life, people speaking in the arts and the sciences and wearing this green. On April 8th is a national day of wearing green across the country, it's a Friday. And then April 9th, we're calling people back into the streets. We just did protests on International Women's Day in a dozen cities. We want these to be even bigger with thousands and thousands of people to wake up and impact millions more. They don't even know this emergency is happening because the Democratic Party has been silent about it. Because the so-called leaders of the so-called women's movement are not sounding the alarm and calling people into the streets. So by being into the streets ourselves, we wanna wake up many more people to then join us create such an outpouring from below, such a massive refusal to let this go down that we change the atmosphere throughout society so that the Supreme Court has to recalculate based on the demand from below. The state legislatures have to recalculate based on what we are just saying in the streets with our bodies.
0: That seems like a very, very powerful movement. The fact of uh, this thought that we need to make noise and disrupt uh, to make the movement. And I am definitely a fan of that and it's so incredibly important. And the thing is, we've seen it operate and to do pretty well, right, Lori? We had women in Argentina and Colombia recently winning historic victories when it came to abortion rights and they took to the streets. What was the secret or what did they have that we
3: may need? Well, I don't think it's a secret. Um, people in the US may think it's a secret. For some reason, we don't feel that it's as urgent to step out in the streets. And I have to tell you personally, as someone who's been writing about women's equality and, and rights for, you know, a couple of decades, I also did not take out go out into the street until this last month and a half. And I've been at I've marched and I've spoken at three rallies thus far because I thought to myself, what kind of a feminist? Would I be if I did not step up now and really be truthful and honest um, and and join you know my sisters and some brothers in walking and marching? because this is really gravely serious. And if anyone wants to call themselves supportive of women, of their rights, feminists, um, you have to be out there in the streets. Yeah, you know, Covid is around the world, right? Covid was in Argentina. Covid was in um, Colombia. Uh, Covid is in Mexico. But they it didn't stop them. Uh, we don't want to say it's too late, and then we have to go backwards again. You know, go backwards, and women are going to die. So women are going to die. So for every person who does not step out and step up and walk and march in the streets with us, blood is on their hands for every woman who will die from botched abortions in this country
0: and it's incredibly sad and I wish I felt more moved in the thought that Americans would care but we see femicide every single day and so I really do hope that there is something that wakes people up and makes them realize that the rights that they have can't be taken away um but you know right now with a lot of people focusing on the war going on uh over in Europe and Asia it just It's one of those things where I'm I'm very, very afraid that people don't necessarily get it. But, Sansara, I'd love to ask you in these last few seconds that we have available, for those people who do get it and those who wanna learn more so that they do get it, where can they go to learn more about the organization you all founded?
2: It's called riseupforabortionrights.org. It's the number four. It's riseupnumberforabortionrights.org. And I just have to say that what we need is courage. What we need is hope, what we need is those who do understand the emergency to stand up because that itself is contagious. We are the majority, people support this, right? It doesn't count unless you show it and get in the streets. But if you do, don't underestimate what we can accomplish. There are millions of lives at stake. All of them are gonna be touched. We need to mobilize them now. And I think there's every basis to do that, but it takes stepping in right now. So I wanna call on everybody to do that. Rise up, number4abortionrights.org and thank you so much adrian for having us on
0: thank you so much for joining us and yes those out there our viewers who do get it please wake others up because they're not They're not woken up yet and we need them to understand that everything is on the line right now. We could stop it now, but only if they get out there in the streets. Thank you so much for joining me. Sansara Taylor, co-host of the R&L Revolution, Nothing Less, and Lori Sokol, Executive Director of Women's E-News. Thank you so much for joining us and uplifting the, the message. Thank you.
3: Thank you.